What's going on, folks? Welcome back to yet another episode of In Defense of Liberation, the show that is working towards and educating about a true people's liberation movement and hopefully one day a true proletarian revolution. But until that lovely day comes, I am your host, Josh, and welcome back. Uh, If this is your first time stopping by, I'd like to say thank you so much. I hope you enjoy the show. If you do, please go ahead and follow me on social media, as well as uh, if you would like to, go ahead and reach out regarding show ideas, uh, possible guest appearances, uh, book recommendations, critiques, or death threats. Uh, I'm open to them all, and I'd love to hear from anyone. Um, So please feel free to reach out. Uh, If this is you coming back, I'm very happy to hear that Whatever episode you listened to was uh, worth uh, enough to make you want to come check out another one. Um, And the last thing I will say before we get into it is I do apologize for the background noise. I'm going to go ahead and listen to this clip after I finish recording it and see if the audio is good enough to post. But I am driving to work right now, and it is raining, so I'm worried that there might be not the most quality uh, audio. But if you've listened to this show before, you're used to it, and for those of you who are just uh, checking it out for the first time, I do apologize. You're not going to get the highest quality out of this show. Um... But if you can deal with that stuff, uh, today I want to talk about um, consciousness. I want to talk about revolutionary education. And I want to talk about uh, something which I've mentioned before, uh, but maybe connect it to the uh, overall discussion. uh, And that is the importance of ideology. So... I think it is impossible to ignore, no matter who you are, that capitalism is breaking down. Now, there's a lot of different ways that people try to analyze and understand that phenomenon. Um, Right now, we are living through what many people call um, late capitalism or late stage capitalism. And what that means is just like the early slave societies, just like the feudal societies, capitalism has a shelf life. Now, this is not a determinant or uh, uh, I think it's a a, a totalizing uh, analysis based off of my understanding. This is, speaking historically, a clearly understood tendency of modes of production meeting a certain point 
where the contradiction between the ruling class, the people that are in charge of the means of production, and the working or oppressed class, the people who are tasked with laboring for their own survival and for the benefit of those who appropriate and ultimately end up owning the products of the labor of those working and oppressed people eventually hits a point where it is no longer first and foremost capable of keeping up a facade but most importantly it is slowly but surely deteriorating and breaking down and eventually it will reach a point of weakness where those who find it beneficial to themselves will make an attempt to overthrow and put a very end to uh, this system. That is what happened uh, all throughout history. And so many philosophers before me who are much more intelligent than me, who wrote books that I have read that you can also read, uh, have said so and have discussed the reasons why this is so. Now, especially when considering the uh, system of capitalism, late-stage capitalism also speaks to the fact that the rate of profit is ultimately, uh, ultimately tends to decline. Um, the uh, theories of this uh, stem from not only Karl Marx, but especially where he got them from, the political economic theorists of capitalism themselves. Um, Ricardo, Alex Smith, uh, John Locke, etc., etc. All of them discuss the fact that this is actually a uh, foundational principle of capitalist production. So every so often, capitalism has to reorganize itself, right? After a while, maybe, uh, you know, J.C. Penny, or do any of you remember Eckerd's, which was a pharmacy before, like, Rite Aid and Walgreens? Um, whether it be Price Chopper or whatever, um, We've seen an example of this in our lives where eventually these large companies who, you know, have stores all over the country have to either merge with another company or they have to completely sell out to the ownership of that other company. Both of which ultimately lead to the same conclusion, which is the richer or the more profitable company or corporation at the time needs the markets, the production capacities, and the labor that another company or corporation is employing in order to continue growing itself. And if it has the capital and the upward mobility to do so by taking over other companies or especially, for example, um, 
in industry, it will take over a different sector or a different part of production. So, for example, a coal mining company might buy the transportation company that takes the coal from one place to another. Or a oil refinery might buy up a large stock in or take control of oil fields themselves. This is another form of concentration that happens every so often that is necessary and completely central, therefore cannot be removed from the capitalist mode of production. Now, you don't have to take my word for it. If you want to go learn, that's what we're here to talk about today. But again, if you don't want to take my word for it, you can go read the books that I've read, that Marx read, that Engels read, that Lenin read, that Stalin read, that Mao read, that plenty of folks all throughout Africa, Asia, and Latin America have read and used as a jumping off point for their, their attempt to critique and solve these issues. So I want to talk about the importance of education uh, why we as communists and Marxists find ideology and consciousness to be so important and how the struggle for raising the consciousness of the working class plays into the overall class struggle. So we're going to start from the beginning and talk about a little bit as to why uh, the theories of class struggle are what myself and many other Marxists uh, apply to our analysis of society. Marx and Engels showed concretely since the dawn of class society, which is a society wherein one group or one class has explicit control over the means of production, which ultimately and eventually leads to complete control of any form of media, of politics, of law and legislation, of police and military oppression, of social relations, and especially of the economics and the mode of production which is employed by that given society. And you have another clearly distinct group or class, which we refer to as the working class. This class is determined by its lack of ownership of the means of production, as well as its disconnection from the ruling class who is in charge again and is in power. The distinction is important here because what Marx and Engels and many others since them have shown is that it is the constant contradiction and how those contradictions materialize which leads towards an eventual change in society. This is why 
they speak towards and show historically that a revolution is the only way in which the very uh, base of a given society is changed. So Marxists oftentimes talk about consciousness. But what is consciousness? Well, let's talk a little bit about my personal development from my early life to today. So if you haven't listened to the show before, I should let you know that I grew up in a very very, uh, evangelical Protestant family. They were extremely conservative, of course. Um, and they also, you know, completely, uh, capitulated to the status quo, uh, and ultimately, obviously, as many conservatives do, argued in favor of society and its structure as it is today. So I grew up with a very confused and ultimately immaterial analysis and consciousness about the world around me. Um, I had to plug into the real world to begin to understand things which my parents, my grandparents, or the rest of my family either A didn't know or B, didn't believe. So consciousness then to plainly understand it would be a ability or a level of comprehension and understanding of the material world that we live in how it is structured, how it develops, and how it ultimately leads towards contradictions and breaks from those contradictions in its natural progression. Consciousness, then, of course, leads towards different decisions. It leads towards different beliefs values, ethics, and morals, which we don't have time to get into today. But consciousness, then, is the way in which we understand the world around us. If we are Christians, as my family grew up and uh, raised me as, then we believe that everything around us, the stars, the moon, the earth, the water the foliage, the animals, ourselves, all of that was brought into existence by God. Everything that humanity has ever needed, God gave us, supposedly. Now, this is what I might call an idealistic analysis of the world because it is un falsifiable, meaning you cannot compare that analysis against 
the material reality in any form of scientific or conclusive experimentation. There is no way to prove or disprove against the material reality that we live in that these ideas are correct. So, therefore, it is important to understand that this analysis of the world completely and only exists within the realm of ideas. So the consciousness of a devout and, uh, I will say, disciplined Christian and especially an evangelical Protestant is completely tantamount to almost uh, uh, blindness, to almost plain ignorance. Um, Not because I say so, but because in this way, the world around us does not become demystified. It does not become demarcated, meaning you do not separate the different forms and different sciences and different sects of reality from one another and begin to understand them uh, as individual parts that connect to the whole, uh, then we are ultimately blindsiding ourselves. Because as Marx and Engels and plenty of philosophers who consider themselves to be materialists have said time and time again is that everything in the world is to be understood. There is nothing that we cannot understand given enough time, given enough experimentation, given the proper tools and knowledge, and given enough uh, attempts at understanding. Because no one, and I mean no one, is born with or ultimately is able to get to a complete understanding of the world in the snap of a finger or in their first attempt to do so. Um, Usually it's not the first book on philosophy, theory, or theology that you pick up that has the complete and concrete understanding of the entire world and is able to convey that in a way where you will then have no need to uh, study further, to read other things, to compare that analysis to other analysis. Um, There is not a single book, not a single text, not a single uh, philosophy which can or should do so because that is what we call dogmatism, where instead of continuously trying to grow and develop our understanding of the world through comparison and uh, through uh, different forms of experimentation and practical knowledge, uh, and ultimately uh, a theory which just says, this is what's right, I know it's right because it's right, 
And so therefore, I'm not going to try to understand the world in any other or different way. I'm just going to simply stick with what I believe because I believe it. And if anyone argues with me, they are uh, impeding on my right or freedom to speech or freedom to critique each and every other ideology from an immaterial and unprincipled place. Um, This is what a lot of these idealistic and uh, unconscious forms of understanding the world ultimately lead to. Um, Not because, again, I say so, but because historically this has been proven so. Um, And so therefore... Uh, If we want to go on trying to analyze these, uh, we have to be able to understand that there is another level that we need to take our ideas to. We need to be able to prove or disprove our theories through material experimentation. Because if we do not have the ability to do so, just like... Uh, different uh, religious groups, just like different reactionary and conspiratorial uh, ideologies. Uh, We are just simply trying to say, listen, this is an idea I had, which I think is correct. And uh, I think it's correct because I, you know, did this long and boring philosophical argument and tautological or ontological analysis, which uh, nobody is going to read because it's incredibly boring and uh, hypocritical in a lot of ways, but uh, this is the correct idea because I said so. Um, We don't want to do that. You know, the goal of Marxism is to be able to understand the real world in a scientific manner so that the uh, folks that phenomena oftentimes act upon um, instead can understand those phenomena, can understand the uh, dialectical progression of history and can understand concretely how contradictions work and therefore cannot simply be beholden to the development of history, to the development of these things, but instead can wield them and control them and manipulate them in a way which leads towards a better and more egalitarian system. That's why a lot of socialist countries have planned economies, because economics is a science of phenomena, and certain economic or political economic analyses bring those who use those analyses to a point where now not only can they just simply understand after the fact why things happen, but instead can plan for things that will happen and be able to uh, 
figure out ways in which to struggle and survive even though this is the case. So in this way, we want to talk about consciousness as we talk about everything historically. We don't want to talk about consciousness as a idea, but we want to talk about consciousness as an ability to use the ideas which have been developed, use the experiences which have been had, and use the theories which have been proven and understand why other theories have been disproven in order to avoid the mistakes of those who came before us. So consciousness, then, again, is the way in which we understand the world. But as we discussed earlier, it also influences the way in which we act. It influences our morals, our beliefs, and therefore will lead to certain actions, certain ideas, given a certain ideology or consciousness. If you understand that, let's see, photosynthesis, right, or let's take it even a step further back. If you understand that plants need the sun, because when you put plants out in the sun, they grow better than when you keep them in your house, then you are conscious of that. But if you do not understand photosynthesis, if you don't understand how things like glucose, water, and other chemical reactions within the soil, between the soil and the roots, um, if you don't understand how the uh, plants use gravity in order to pass nutrition between the uh, uh, different parts of the plant, then your consciousness is at one level, but it can be at another. You can have a heightened consciousness. You can have a heightened understanding of plant biology. That's the goal of Marxism. Marxism says that historically, the struggle between the oppressed groups and the oppressors have taken this or that form. They've gone down this or that avenue. They have led towards this or that mistake or success. And Marxism says the consciousness of these different movements have led towards the different logical conclusions. Lenin, in many of his pieces, but one of which that I'm reading right now, What is to be Done, discusses the fact that even a trade unionist or economist consciousness, which is not necessarily consciously understood by those who purport those ideas, still logically leads towards the same conclusions as those who purport those ideas openly. For example, Lenin showed concretely that the theories of economism and the theories of terrorism are are completely uh, subservient to spontaneity. And therefore, the consciousness of those who advocate for terrorism, 
the consciousness of those who advocate for economism is not heightened to the level that those who came before me, those who have struggled and engaged in practical work to fight the capitalist bourgeois system, have gotten to themselves. And now, this is not to say that these people are some glorious geniuses, and just like Jesus, we should all ascribe to be just like them. But instead, these are people who have understand, who have understood that consciousness and ideology play such an important role in the formation of a political movement, in the formation of the class struggle, and therefore they feel that they themselves need to be educated to a certain point so that they have a certain consciousness, but most importantly, that they acquire that consciousness for the purpose of guiding and bettering the working class movement itself. Being able to employ that understanding and being able to spread that ideology in order to heighten the consciousness of the masses so that they don't have to make the same mistakes that the uh, national liberation or socialist struggles of previous times have made. Now, education is one of the most crucial points of uh, uh, class struggle. We not only need to use the theories which have been developed of class struggles past, but also the concrete and material reality that we live in today, and that is oftentimes the main reason as to why people become conscious of the contradictions and the exploitation uh, in uh, uh, apparent in and concretely uh, foundational to the capitalist mode of production. We have to be able to connect the material reality and the experiences that not only workers, but also unemployed folks, that houseless folks and hungry folks have to endure. We have to be able to connect the dots of black, brown, indigenous, uh, and immigrant folks to the struggles for uh, an end to police violence, the struggles for uh, political power in the hands of the oppressed people, and we need to understand and be able to explain to people why that is. Um, we can't just simply say, okay, listen, uh, the class struggle is super important, right? We can't be just saying, uh, this is right because I said so. Um, we can't just be saying the class struggle is important because Marx and Engels said so. Um, we have to be able to study. We have to be able to learn. We have to be able to accept mistakes, failures, and uncritical or unprincipled analysis on our own part. Be able to critique and especially self-critique in order to not only grow the understanding of ourselves, but also of our comrades and those who we are engaged with in the struggle and have these conversations with. Um, This is the most important point to Marxism, is the 
point of understanding the world is to change it. And in order to change it, we cannot, as communists ourselves, be the only people advocating for this type of struggle. We have to be able to bring the understandings that we have to the general masses in order to raise their consciousness to a level of socialist uh, class struggle. We have to be able to bring the mindset and the whether conscious or unconscious philosophy of the oppressed and working class as a whole to a level where it is ready to and is capable of engaging in the most broad and in the most widespread struggle across not only the economic sphere, but especially within the social and political spheres. And we have to be able to connect the groups and individuals who are partaking in these different struggles, who are actively engaged in and uh, succumb to the contradictions and the inequality which is tantamount to the capitalist bourgeois system. Now, if we are not able to do so, we see, as history has shown us, that even groups who, by any means otherwise, would be combined in their efforts and would or should be working together towards the same goal, ultimately end up fighting against each other or even begin atomizing their struggle as somehow separate from the overall struggle for working class and proletariat dictatorship. Um, Ultimately, we oftentimes see the inability of those who are engaged in this or that struggle to unite alongside others who are engaged in other struggles. We've seen historically, especially in the United States, the inability of even sometimes white communists to agree with and struggle alongside, whether it be black folks, brown folks, indigenous folks, immigrants, etc., whether they be communist or not. There are plenty of examples of the CPUSA, of the PSL, and of different groups, especially groups like the Alabama uh, communists that are written about in Hammer and Ho, to fight against not only the capitalist bourgeois system, but at the same time be fighting against racism, at the same time being fighting fighting against the discrimination between genders, uh, the sexual and domestic violence against peoples uh, in general. They are also fighting against the uh, inequality and oppression that disabled folks, or as we might want to say, otherly abled folks, uh, have to endure in a system which does not build Uh, or uh, amass proper uh, aid for those who have to live life differently than we do. 
Uh, they also connected, uh, for example, like the Black Panthers connected their struggle for revolutionary emancipation of black people within America, but also the liberation of the working class to the struggles of, for example, LGBTQ plus folks. Um, they united alongside many different struggles and tried to involve themselves and those who were sympathetic to the ideas of socialism and communism in every single avenue of struggle, which was possible uh, and uh, capable of being entered into. So therefore, we as communists see the, important of I- the importance of ideology, of consciousness, and of us as communists educating agitating and propagandizing to the uh, working class as a whole, we see this as crucial to actually being able to attain our goals, not because we ourselves think that we have the right ideas or that we are just a bunch of geniuses. Communists do not advocate for the spread of uh, Marxist ideas because They think everyone else is just a dumb asshole who needs to listen to them. Communists are not passing on propaganda and education for the sake of being the authoritarian overlords of the revolution, but they are in fact doing so because the ability to have the understanding, which, for example, I have been able to get to from a completely ignorant and unconscious point of evangelical conservatism uh, at 13 and 14, to get to the point that I'm at today, we see that that consciousness has been able to incredibly help us and those who have employed that ideology in being able to achieve the goals that we are working towards. We're not saying we're right because we think so. We're saying we're right because history has shown so. Now, there's a nice little saying that says you can only read history for so long before you even be, you either become a liar or a communist. I think the saying actually is you, you can read history for so long that you either become a liar or a Marxist, but... Anyways, the reason why this is so is because time and time again, the communists and the Marxists not only are able to wage an incredibly strong struggle against the existing and oppressive systems, but are able to do so concretely and along the correct line, which is able to oftentimes uh, uh, avoid the mistakes of either those who came before them or those who are struggling alongside them. Um, Marx, Engels, Lenin, Stalin, Mao spent so much time on ideological struggle against their comrades, against those in the party, because they felt that if we are able to or want to be able to help the people and actually 
end the bourgeois system as it exists today, then we have to do so correctly. And if we want to have correct answers to complicated questions, we have to study, we have to have the proper analysis, we have to have a principled and conscious uh, ideology, and we have to be able to, on a day-to-day basis, engage with every single layer of the capitalist society, be able to understand the economics, be able to understand the philosophy, be able to understand the social relations, be able to understand the medical system, be able to understand the inequality between races, genders, and abilities, um, to be able to understand how uh, climate change needs to be fought, we have to have the correct line. Many have made mistakes before, and we know this is true because here we stand in the same position that many Marxists and communists before us have been standing in themselves. And some of them, some folks today like to say, well, see, if the communists and the socialists and the Marxists were right, would we be in this position that we're in today? And that is foolish, because do you turn to indigenous peoples and say, obviously your culture was backwards and stupid because the white European culture was able to take over and dominate the entire world? No, just like colonialism, imperialism and capitalism have been able to subvert and destroy communist projects socialist countries, national liberation struggles, uh, agricultural reform bills, anything that is barely akin to fighting against the capitalist way of life is fought with every single thing that the capitalist, bourgeois, ruling class powers have. Read Washington Bullets and you'll see why communism is at the stage that it is in today. Go read, um, uh, um, uh, go read a fucking history book if you want to know why socialist countries don't exist today. Go read uh, declassified CIA documents if you want to know why uh, still today there is so much debate within the field of Marxism, within the uh, communist and socialist struggles, because the CIA, the FBI, and the other U.S. state departments have spent so much time, money, and energy on programs like COINTELPRO, which are completely, uh, uh, they are completely developed for the sole purpose of diverting and destroying the class struggle. Now, they are trying to do so in a way which confuses the people because that's ultimately what the bourgeois system is good at. It is building at it is good at building facades. Now, these facades need not always be backed and funded by the CIA. These confusions and incorrect analyses need not have the stamp of approval of the U.S. State Department and eat in order to be seen as a reactionary or a part of the bourgeois' attempt 
to uh, recollect not only physical power, but also ideological control. The theories of anarchism, of uh, um, utopian socialism, of uh, electoral socialism, of getting the working class, the oppressed peoples, to a point where they are not beholden to an entire global system which is predicated on their exploitation, this uh, ultimately can be uh, aided whether, again, it is conscious or not. You can have these incorrect analyses even have um, parts of them which are correct. For example, many anarchists have an incredible analysis of fascism and how it develops and takes form. They also have an incredible analysis of how to uh, combat fascism in the streets. However, the difficulty becomes that an anarchist's goal or an anarchist's fundamental ideology does not and has not been able to guide the working class to a point where they are in control of their own destinies, of their own communities. They have not been able to achieve the autonomous reality that they fight for. Now, many anarchists will say, oh, says the tanky, whose uh, uh, ideological heroes or, or whatever they want to refer to, uh, you know, Marx, Lenin, Engels, and, and all those as, because they, they like to say we, uh, we praise them like gods, but they'll say, oh, really? Well, you just a minute ago said that socialism and communism have not been able to succeed because capitalism and reaction and ruling class uh, societies have done so much to put them down. This is not only also true about anarchism, but, but, but the communists have also fought against anarchism. Now, I can understand why, um, you know, some folks see a, uh, a uselessness to, um, you know, this debate between anarchists and communists at this point in the struggle. But the reason why I and many others feel it necessary to critique and show as to why anarchism does not have the whole picture is because anarchism, time and time again, has directly led to incredible repression and oppression, as well as just blatant massacres of innocent people. It has also done this without being able to properly guide those people towards a reality where they have control over their realities, where they are in power 
And when they are capable of materializing their theories, anarchists might have a very great anti-capitalist analysis. But their theories, in order to combat and overthrow the current bourgeois system, have been proven historically to not be enough. Not that they are blatantly incorrect, not that anarchists are a bunch of ignorant children, not that anarchism itself is stupid, but that anarchism as an ideology has been incapable incapable historically of achieving its goals. This much cannot be said about scientific socialists, about uh, 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 communists, and about Marxists. They have been able to attain state power in many different countries around the world. They have been able to fight back against reaction and repression of the former ruling classes. And ultimately, yes, have most of them fallen to the historical development and rise of fascism, of imperialism, of neo-colonialism and capitalist society? Yes. But this, just like the failures of anarchist theories, just like the failures of social democracy, and just like the failures of different utopian socialisms or non-crony capitalism, if you want to even dive on that side, see exactly how those histories, how those theories, how those attempts at changing the world that we live in have failed and use them as stepping stones, use them as learning tools. Because the point of Marxism is to be able to dialectically understand history, to be able to learn from the failures and successes of revolutions past, and to be able to uh, move forward, to be able to break from the mistakes and the walls which have stood up against communists, socialists, anarchists, etc., before and be able to surpass them. Marxism is a science. Marxism is a scientific analysis of our material reality, which is based on Marx's idea that formerly the philosophers had only interpreted the world. But in fact, the point was to change it. This is why Marxists, time and time again, are able to analyze, understand, and act upon material reality in a way which those others mentioned have not, and have been able to actually materially and concretely change the entire system, not just parts, but the whole structure of society. 
and have been able to do so through the mass organization of the working class, not through authoritarian dictatorship by the few over the many, as those societies before us have, but instead flips that on its head and uses the same authority, uses the same dictatorship, which our oppressors, those few ruling class elites, have used against the billions across the world who do not have food, who do not have fuel, who do not have homes, who do not have healthcare or medical services, who do not have a guarantee of a healthy, safe life ever, and use it to make the same true for the former oppressors, and use the authority and the political power which has been developed historically and shown to be capable of employing, defending, and organizing power into something that is capable of achieving its goals and wield that by the working people. What I mean to say is this. History has shown us that the state is the tool by which the oppressing or ruling class has been able to repress and suppress the majority. Now, you got to figure right now, this, you know, system is completely dominated by far fewer individuals than you or I think. Folks like Jeff Bezos are not in control of the bourgeois society. Folks like Jeff Bezos are what Marx called capital personified. However, those in power of our bourgeois system are few and far between. Um, what, I, what I'm meaning to say is that it is important to understand that under feudalism or absolutism, when you had one king or one monarch and the nobles and the clergy in power over hundreds of thousands of peasants, serfs, and other oppressed people, just like in a slave society where the few who had political power, where the few who were given an education, where the few who actually had ownership of slaves were in control and in power over millions of slaves. In the same way, the capitalist bourgeois system today is dictated by and ruled by few uh, and far between amounts of people. It was a dumb run on sentence. Sorry, I had like a brain fart in the middle of that. So historically, the political structures 
which have come and gone, have led us to an analysis and an understanding of how to attain and wield political power. One way in which this is necessary is through the use of the state. Historically, the relations between the oppressed and the oppressors in society, but especially in the mode of production, has led us to an analysis that the class struggle must be predicated on and ultimately lead to a reversal of class society where the same uh, structure of oppression is flipped on its head and instead used against the former oppressing minority and for the benefit of the formerly oppressed billions, aka the majority. So I got to finish up here because I'm, I'm opening up the, the shop. But I want folks to understand here that I, as a Marxist, have gotten here through eight years, eight years of stupidity, eight years of ignorant ideas, ideas, uh, uh, you know, eight years of trying to combat evangelicism and conservatism. Um, so I have arrived to these conclusions because of study. If you don't agree with them, you should try to do the same. You should try to go about uh, uh, studying different theories, different ideas, and coming to the logical conclusions yourself. But we have to understand that these ideas do take a material reality. And as we accept certain ideas, as we gain a certain consciousness, it will lead towards logical conclusions. So just because you think that we can have different ideologies between Marxists, between anarchists, between social democrats, and can work together, history has proven that this is not the case because your ideology will lead you to make different decisions. If you don't think the bourgeoisie needs to be fucking massacred, if you don't think the ruling class needs to be completely and violently overthrown, you're not going to do that. And that might lead to a bunch of communists and a bunch of working class people getting flanked and getting assassinated, imprisoned, or exiled. Um, so we have to understand that. Consciousness is important because if we are not conscious, we will fail. If we are ideologically uh, hollow, if we have incorrect analysis, it will lead to incorrect action, which will lead to awful conclusions, as it always has and as history has shown us already. Um, much love to you all for listening. Please stay safe. Please stay healthy. Get organizing, y'all. Go help however you can. Go get involved in your community. And uh, until next time.